welcome to the very first episode of Rainbow History Class, a show where we teach you the queer and trans history that you definitely didn't get in school. I am one half of your hosting team. My name is Rudy Jean Rick and I am the class clown. And my name is Hannah. I am the other half of Rainbow History Class and I'm super excited about this podcast. I am kind of freaking out because I feel like this has been in the works for like over a year now. I think even longer than that, I am telling you that I do not dive into the world of podcasts lightly. You've been like, I think, tainted by your radio past. Yeah, I do have a radio past. My biggest fear, apart from medieval history, is um, being seen as like two people that just reckoned their chat was so good that other people would want to hear it and then they get a podcast yeah the idea of like being two crypto bros with a with a podcast um terrifies me or maybe it arouses me that's kind of scary thought um I'll I'll mull on that but this is not that crucially this is not that we're hoping it's much better because we've been working on it we've been sitting on it yeah. I've been sitting on this material for a long time. Is that what comedians say? Do we say that now that we're comedians? I think so. And also, okay, because the the story that I have selected for our first episode mm. was one that, like, I was going to write for one of our, like, TikTok videos, mm. you know, Um You know, if you've been uh, following along online, you will know what they are. Um, But there's just too much good stuff in it to cut it off at about a minute. Yeah, see, that's the thing. I feel like I've really been cock-blocked by short-form content for a long time now. I'm sorry. Yeah. Why are you apologizing? It's not your fault. It's it's just the way it is. I think it's it's one of those things, yeah. We and especially it's it's hard. I think we get a lot of comments in our in our videos that are like really short. People are often like, what about this and what about that? And like you didn't explain that and blah 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 blah. And it's like, well, now is the time Try and rip us away because you get basically like an hour every single week of us unpacking and going completely wild in these topics. And the funny thing is, Rue, is that of all of the topics we have ever told, you know, from the ancient Greeks, ancient Rome, ancient anywhere, Mm. (laughs) to be honest, all throughout history and time, I have managed to write them into one minute episodes, except for this one because it's just got so many legs. It's like a centipede. It's Ew, got that many legs. No, that's yucky. Yeah, this is this is a meaty topic and you are going to find it so funny Okay. Um, when I tell you what it is. So I want to talk about tattoo. No, I'm not mispronouncing what? tattoos. <laughs> I'm talking about tattoo, the mm. Russian pop duo from the mid 2000s when I tell you there's just so much that goes into this story that we can learn from right now absolutely first of all um do you know do you remember Tartu uh no I feel like I they either like didn't come across my radar or I just was maybe a little bit too young I feel like in a way the Veronica's are like modern day Tartu but like modern in like by modern, I don't mean modern. Modern, I mean Australian. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like maybe that's a preemptive. Maybe I'm going to be eating my words. No, no, I think that I, I'm shocked because you're so right. I think the Veronicas are to 
the 2010s and 2020s mm. what tattoo was to the thousands. Yeah. And I'm obsessed with that comparison. Um, so tattoo, I'm going to tell you about the name. Okay. All right. So this is tattoo. It's spelled little t dot big a dot. I mean, capital A dot capital T dot little U, right? What is this, a pre-filled password? <laughs> yeah, it is. It's, it's very um, like Google generated password. Okay. It's very slay of them. Yeah. So Tattoo, I'm going to tell you what the name is because, look, it is a kind of anglicized version of a Russian phrase. Now, I don't know. I'll see if we cut this out later, depending on how my pronunciation goes. No, the pronunciations are staying in. Uh, which means, um, this girl loves that girl. And the reason that they have shortened it, um, is because it sounds a little bit like the English word tattoo which obviously okay. is edgy in itself. Yeah, so there's like they're really trying to go how much aesthetic can we really cramp into the name. And and like, okay, you are so right, like leveraging off this because aesthetics were everything with this band and I want to get to them because I want to show you a film clip. So you basically are not, apart from the fact that we walked on for every single one of our live <laughs> shows to this song, you you told me last week only that you didn't understand its cultural significance, which is <laughs> wild because why would you just let me suggest a walk-on track that you'd <laughs> never heard? Um, okay, so you had said, now the preface to this is you had said, this song is so gay, and I've gone, okay, I believe you. And then when we were going through our pre-show, uh, like, playlist and we were thinking of like and we you know because we had no idea that like a walk-on song was a thing right or like an announcement or whatever like a like a preamble to the stand-up comedy was a thing and so when that was being decided and we were looking through the playlist it was either all the things she said or content by Bo Burnham and I just thought maybe your pick was going to be better and that mine was a little niche so yeah okay I actually think that this this is perhaps more niche, but I'm going to play you a bit of this film clip because I want to pick up on aesthetics. Okay. Um, but you'll know this song, obviously, because we walk onto it to our live show, but yes. you might not know um, the film clip and the film clip's kind of part of it. All right. What are your thoughts? Okay, I have a lot of thoughts. I'm just going to roll them out and you can pick yeah. what you want. Okay. Number one, colour grading. What is this, Twilight? We're going to talk about wait, that. Wait, wait, wait. I have okay, more. Okay, give me your other thoughts. Okay, colour grading, Twilight. Um, question, are they supposed to genuinely look 12 years old? Because they did, which was very concerning uh, when you compare that against the level of sensual energy that was coming through. Number three, if that was a seven minute cut, I think they would have started cage fighting because of the way that they were set up in there. Like, I don't know what this audience, they were like kind of behind this like caged like fence. Anyway, the, the rain and then the, the snow, was it snow or was it nuclear fallout? That's what I'm wondering. Cause they're Russian, right? They are Russian. Okay. That's correct. And this was when 19... 
So 90, no, 2000s? No. So this was in the 2000s. Yeah. So the song had two, like, um, release dates because it was released first in Russian. When it was released in English, it was 2002. Mm -hmm. I first heard it in 2003. So I was in year seven, which is our first year of high school for anyone American. And I was chronically bullied for being frigid, which turned out to be gay, but at the time, okay, <laughs> a disinterest in, in boys was, um, was an issue. I first saw this, um, film clip and I was absolutely taken mm. with it. Um, oh, I was, I was bloody swept away with that one. This was the era of LimeWire. Um, I think I downloaded about 40 viruses onto my parents' computer trying to download this song and film clip and just like watching it in, I think the resolution was probably about like two. So I was obsessed watching and watching this, you know, um, film clip for obvious reasons. Uh, I do want to just talk about the um, 2000s color grade. You picked it up and thought Twilight and it's made me miss this color grade. I see color grades like that. I'm like, it's not noir. It was really, it's similar to like that. It's, I feel like it's in that genre. It can, it's like a subgenre. Yeah. I feel like we could call it 2000s noir. It kind of is. Cause it's like. Scene kid noir. It is. Cause it, I mean, yeah. I wonder what that genre you could. Let's somehow. call it scene noir. Scene noir. Sure. Okay. <laughs> I think that's what it is because it was, um, or emo noir. Like yeah, I feel it was like a bit emo. of e- emo noir because it was actually something that was like on so many queer coded, um, TV series and mm. films throughout the thousands. You've obviously mentioned Twilight. There's oh, so much queer coding in that. Um, but also in like these kind of, um, you know, I guess there's a bit of an element of like skins had a bit of that. Yeah. Um, grade to it and this other show that I used to love watching um was this British show called Lip Service yeah I love Lip Service yeah Yeah. that that had a similar kind of um emo noir like look to it so it's kind of you know there is that discussion online around like bisexual lighting yes with all like the twitch streamers like yeah 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 the leds in like uh purple and blue yeah I think like bisexual lighting is a whole other episode, but there's an element to this kind of color grade that reads queer. And part of it was just this era of like sort of teen angst mm. being and like repressed queer emotion. Cause that- it's like, it's not like a camp queer either. It's like, it's not a sapphic queer. It's like, I, I don't know what it would kind of equate it's to. It's not sapphic in the modern day, but I think it's definitely sapphic in the thousands, which kind of had a lot of like I feel like sapphic content now doesn't have the same amount of like shame around it that the brand we've changed the branding yeah it's like (laughs) now sapphic you know there's there's a lightness to it but in the thousands like Tegan and Sarah were the only like apart from like you know um Tracy Chapman or or kind of older folk artists Mm. the only kind of sapphic representation in pop culture was Tegan and Sarah and 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 I guess these these two and that always had this kind of element of angst which to be fair spoke to me because you know I I was an angsty queer um at that time so there was also this like 
fascination, um, you know, in 2002, 2003, um, around female bisexuality, where it really became kind of palatable for the mainstream. This was like the era of Katy Perry, mm. I Kissed a Girl, and also the like three-way kiss between Britney and Madonna and oh, Christina. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Tattoo for me might have been like Katy Perry for you in no. terms of e- era. Like what do you mean? As in like tattoo, like Katy Perry was popping in yes. the same way. Yeah, like I kissed a girl probably hit when you were like similar age yeah. to me when Tattoo came out. I think so, but then also like I wasn't super – I see I had like a like a, a complex against pop music until I was like 17. So I actually have no – like I've had to retrospectively learn pop music culture. It was such a thing to just – hate pop music just in general because it was popular yeah yeah so like I literally would refuse to like listen to the radio I don't know like you just beelined for the alternative section at JB Hi-Fi yeah and Sanity back when Sanity was open yeah yeah we are talking about Australian tea uh music retailers look up Sanity if that's not a place you want to spend your Saturday I think Sanity's not Australian but I think JB is JB Hi-Fi. Yeah. Don't ask us what it stands for. No, no one, one knows. knows. What we're talking about, right, is the rise of queer baiting. This was the first time, I guess. But they just kissed in the video. This idea of this fascination with female bisexuality, it's not a representation of, like, true bisexuality at all mm. um, because, well, neither of them were bisexual or lesbians. Oh, really? Yeah. So we're going to get to that. So this is why it's like such a example of queer baiting. Yeah. Right. So Tatu, both straight, though one of them moves away from that later in our timeline. Um, So, yeah, this was kind of like the the first like fascination with queer baiting. I guess you could say, you know, in the 70s, there might have been a bit of that happening with a lot of the kind of the male um, rock stars at the time, you know, uh, where we had, you know, Bowie and Freddie Mercury, but they were queer. Mm. So, and and obviously that was drawing people to them. So this was like a time when people were kind of manufacturing queerness. Ew. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously there's the Britney, Madonna, Christina three-way kiss that everybody remembers um, Mm. that Christina was cut out of. In, like, the the filming, she was actually there. Oh, my God. Um, So she took part in it too. And then Madonna, obviously, um, she is bisexual. Yeah. Um, Brittany, as far as I know, is not. Um, So this was, like, the same period of time where everyone was all of a sudden looking at, you know, bisexuality as, like, a brand hot, a brand new, like, hot new trend or craze. This was kind of lesbian chic was in the paper. Um, People were talking about, like... (laughs) She doesn't like just men or just women. She's a whole new something else. Like that was oh. the really the narrative. It's like it was a really like why not have both kind of um, kind of like take on bisexuality, right? And so that's why we we see queer baiting because people were kind of using it to kind of get this edge, mm. all right? But I want to go back to like why this story of this band is so full of legs yeah why is it a prolific centipede on the queer landscape (laughs) prolific centipede i feel like would make a good film (laughs) we are like you know early 2000s but we need to go back to 1991 um which is when the soviet union fell Mm. right um berlin wall taken down this um 
Russian communist um, massive behemoth really crumbled. But it was kind of a positive thing for a lot of people in Russia. Um, so what it meant was that the Soviet Union then returned um, returned Russia to the global economy. So up until like this point, um, they it was a it was a very gated economy. Yeah, I mean um, Russia had like a pretty wild hundred years, didn't they? They did, they did. And so this was the really the first time um, in the lives of most of um, the Russian people that they could then, I guess, participate in global culture um, and globalization was like happening, you know, really rapidly. So this was exciting. And so there were these early Russian kind of economic reformers. They realized um, that in order to get Russia to transition to kind of a modern capitalist economy, yeah. they needed to expose uh, Russia to international competition. Oh. Um, yeah. So basically they they really needed to kind of like open up um, to, you know, international trade, um, you know, bring in, you know, competition because that's obviously not a factor of like a communist economy. Yeah. So these like Russian economic reformers were really like pushing Russia to participate in the global economy. For the average middle-class Russians, um, this was like exciting because it meant that they could buy foreign clothing brands, you know, designer fashion. Um, they could get like modern electronics, which is something that they couldn't really get their hands on before. They could get different international food, like things like American snacks. Um, and they could really just like participate in like global culture and conversations, mm. um, which for them was like a whole new world was opened up to them because, you know, they, they could like look up and out and see what was happening in the world. And, you know, the internet was, you know, risings, you know, throughout this decade as well. So it was really kind of time of massive change in Russia. Yeah. One of the biggest um, industries that, you know, the Russian companies kind of looked at taking to participate in like a global economy was pop music. No, that's that's actually quite a nice choice. Like, they what really would you could choose? Have, they could have gone with anything. I feel like if I was gonna get myself out onto the global stage for the first time, I would, in terms of industries, I would probably go. Knowing what I know now, I'd go for gaming. But like, like as in, like you know, I think gaming. Look at it. Look at that's a smart choice. Yeah, I think What's gaming. What's a fun choice? Uh, what, it, gaming's fun. Well, you never played a game. <laughs> You telling me you never played a game, Anna? <laughs> yeah, Rudy, I've played a game. Um, wh- wh- what's a fun choice? Do you like? Do you want me to pick a fun choice? No, you just said knowing what I know now, I picked gaming. So I just assumed that. Well, it's a like you a, had another one that you were going to share. Well, I think when I said that, I sort of just meant I, I, I've become educated on the games industry in the last five years. Me five years ago would have probably chosen food. But I realize now that that's an uneducated choice and I would probably fail on the global stage. So I rescind that one. I mean, yeah, absolutely. And there's an example of that. I mean, uh, I think, yeah, Tetris um, as a game was was very tied up in the Russian globalization. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, but, yeah, so, so gaming isn't um, far off. But pop music was one of these industries um, that Russia really focused on manufacturing. Um, so there's this... Music producer, his name is Ivan Shapovalov. Okay. I think I said it right. Ivan Sh- uh, Shapovalov. I, for a second, I thought you were going to say Ivan Shapovalov. 
Kovalawena. Yeah, and I was I really like- concerned for you. <laughs> My favorite brand. Um, okay, so this guy Ivan, he wanted to make a girl band. Um, Don't we all? Yeah, he he's gonna he wants to make bank of this new global economy, and so he is going to make a girl band. Um, so he held audition auditions, right? Hundreds of like teenage girls came and I don't know Australian idols their way um, into Ivan's studio. The two girls they didn't know the other was auditioning um but they did know each other because Yulia um so one of the members of Tartu Yulia Volkova and Lena Katina they did know each other because they had been members of like a children's group oh they were like child stars they had been members of a children's group they weren't children at the time oh it's like an orphan situation (laughs) no you know the movie uh no Oh, well, in the movie she's like 30 but she poses also like. No, no, they're not pretending to be kids. I think it's like a children's entertainment group. I was really going down a conspiracy hole there. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, like High Five or or The Wiggles is something how I imagine. Oh, they were children entertainers. Yes. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they entertained, the audience was children. They entertained But they were also young, but. They were young children's entertainers. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hello, editing Rudy here. I'm just letting you know that I was right uh, and they were children who were entertainers. Hannah fact-checked after we recorded the episode because something wasn't sitting right with her and it was because I was correct the whole time. So there you go, cheeky little fact-check in the uh, in the edit. I was, in fact, correct. Anyway, so um, Yulia and Lena um, were chosen by Ivan to be this pop group. He was pretty cluey in that he knew that you know a pop band needed a brand like obviously we'd had like the Spice Girls and their brand was girl power so bra- bands were very kind of branded after right. the 90s right yeah. um and this you know probably I think probably One Direction would have been the the last kind of one of the manufactured supergroups hey, with a brand I don't know you ever heard of uh a little band called BTS. True. Yeah, yeah. See, right, get I'm, your Western lens yeah, off. Yeah, I'm. Um, I am thinking far too Western. What about Blackpink? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I feel like it's still happening in like K-pop, J-pop. Mm. Anyway, so they've Ivan's looking for a. Uh, he's looking for a brand. Mm. He's recently seen a Swedish film called Show Me Love, which has a similar colour grade to the one we've been talking about. Have you seen Show Me Love? No, I'll just, I'll Google it now. Show Me Love was like a coming of age film um, that was very formative for me. Um, It's Swedish. Robin is like the the Robin song Show Me Love um, features in it. They talk about Robin a lot. It's about kind of a high school um, girl who's a lesbian and she ends up having... Uh, an interaction with the most popular girl who was not very nice to her at the start. Um, But definitely go watch it. It's a really, really nice film. Um, But because of this, he decided on lesbianism as the edge off the back of this film. That's Um, not fucking creepy at all. Yeah. And and in Russia, this was like a really interesting period, okay, because um, homosexuality had just been decriminalised with the fall of the Soviet Union, okay? But... Putin hadn't kind of ascended to where he is now 
And so Putin's anti-homosexuality laws hadn't been introduced yet. So this was like a period of time where in Russian history, you know, um, or Russian modern history, it was probably like maybe uh, one of the better times to be gay. Mm -hmm. Soviet Union, it was illegal. Later, with Putin's power and the situation now, it is also not legal. Mm. Um, so really in the 2000, the early 2000s, this is like probably um, the best time to be queer in Russia. Okay. Apart from like a very long time ago. Um, so that's why he got away with it. Yeah, interesting. And that, and that is why like it was all couched in this idea of like bisexuality is like this new global trend and – you know, Russia is going to contribute to this global economy with this pop group um, who are like reflective of, you know, global relationships. <laughs> okay, cool. So, so they're edgy. So they, they've tried to be a mirror to like global yeah. stage. Yeah. Yeah. And like, obviously, again, he's smart because he's got this girl loves that girl and the name sounds like tattoo. Um, but the funny thing is, is, you know, how I told you about the ridiculous stylization of it? Yes. They had to do that because there was already an Australian band. I know Australia no. has a part in this called Tattoo, T-A-T-U. They, I have no knowledge about this Australian band called Tattoo. So anyway, that's why they had to style it because Australia just, you but know, so put a spanner not? in. I mean, look, you've got to give it a bit of a zhuzh. Yeah, I mean, like this was like, you know, if you're on MSN, like at that in that era, you mm. were doing a lot of like fun capitalization aesthetic strategies. Everyone needs a point of difference and I've always said that. Well, I think like capitalism's always said that too. So we're exactly on theme. Exactly. They, they've they got a good brand ethos. <laughs> capitalism <laughs> has a great brand ethos. Yeah. Um. So in 2002, the band released their first album in Russian, and it was a hit. Um, it was so much of a hit that they rewrote and re-recorded it in English. Okay. Um, and the lead single was All the Things She Said, that song that we just played. And this is just like a funny fact. The songwriter who wrote it had the idea for the song in a dream while he fell asleep at the dentist, which is kind of weird because I would never fall asleep at the dentist. I have fallen asleep at the dentist before. I'm just not scared of that. I just a lot of drilling for me to fall asleep. Ah, uh, you need a lot of drilling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I need I need more drilling than what happens at the dentist to fall asleep. <laughs> anyway, so this album was called Wait for it, you're going to love this. 200 kilometers per hour in the wrong lane. Stop, that is so good. Yeah. That is so that is literally I've been making a list of like um like great like phrases for emo bands and like pop punk bands and that that's like a a record shattering it's like it's billboard perfection number one yes it, and it was so bang on because at the time right you know supre yes so the iconic australian clothing store of the 2000s known for it's graphic tees. Um, and the little headbands that really cut off a lot of circulation to the yeah, yeah. skull. The graphic tees of the early 2000s that I remember was one that just said Barbie is a slut. And there sure. was another one that had like a condom behind a, a window, like a plastic window that said break in case of emergency. And we were all 12 or like 11 walking around with this kind of stuff. Bring it back. I would love to see Supre do it now. Anyway, I had this, I had this shirt um, that's very in this vein because it said on it, it was like car, like camo and this distressed writing that said um, 
too fast to live, too young to die. And I was what? I was like 11. What does that even mean? I don't know. Too fast to live, too young to die. All right. <laughs> sure. I'll take that one on board. Thanks for the criticism. Yeah. Yeah, what? I love that. Anyway, so the band, so Tati, right, they caused like a lot of outrage, as you'd expect. Like, you know, Ivan's plan worked. Everyone was shocked by this very edgy, like, yeah, lesbian girl band with this film clip and they're kind of making out behind some kind of wire fence. Um, there's the Chernobyl-like rain. Yeah. Um, it, it was really rattling to a lot of um, well-mannered people around the world. Weirdly, the band was a big hit in Australia. Um, of sense. all the markets. Like for, it's like, you know how we love pink more than any other country? Pink, get down. <laughs> get down. Um, we love pink more than any other country. We loved ta- uh, Tattoo more than any other country except... Japan. Oh, well, see, this is one th- like this is the thing. I feel like when, when I, I mean, I feel like I can speak to this, but like when it comes to like alternative music, rock music, like pop punky, grungy stuff that's still like mainstream enough to get like the Susans and Sharons going on a Friday night, just historically really enjoy that music. I, I don't. I, I'm yet to figure out why. Well, this one is is because of that, um, but also because um, of the lesbian schoolgirl trope. which what, Australia loves that? No, Japan loves that. Oh, yes. Yep. So in Japan, there's gay until graduation is like a very widespread, accepted, fetishized trope mm. within a lot of like film, art, manga. Yeah. Um, and so that's why they, they loved Tattoo in mm. Japan. Um, so that was really like where the, the band kind of found it found their audience in Australia and Japan. Once they did all the things she said, they came up with another song called Not Gonna Get Us. They just sort of stopped hitting after a while. Um, Japan still loved them, but everybody else, you know, the culture moved on. Um, They released a whole bunch of other albums, all with the, the same kind of dangerous driving theme. Oh. Their next one was Dangerous and Moving. <laughs> Which doesn't have the same ring to it as 200 kilometres an hour in the wrong lane. Dangerous and moving. What, are you like a, a rogue Roomba? Or a <laughs> rogue Roomba. <laughs> Their next one was called Waste Management. Wait, just Waste Management? Waste That's Management. Yeah. yeah, that was 2009. I love that. Um, the band also represented Russia at Eurovision, oh, yeah, um, which, was, which was Ivan's plan all along. And I'm talking about, like, Ivan did well with this. He was very, like... Not a great person. No. <laughs> to the girls. I can imagine. Um, yeah. But even though all of this happened in the 2000s, the culture had moved on. And in 2011, the band separated. Now, this what? is where wow. this is where it gets juicy. So the band always acknowledged the lesbian shtick was like all marketing and all a marketing ploy. They never, ever were shy about the fact that they were doing it um, for brand and like for views, I yeah. guess. Yulia Volkova is bisexual. So one of them came out later as bisexual, but in 2014, she said that she's okay with lesbians, but would condemn her son if he were gay saying, and this is a quote, <laughs> I want to like specifically say, this is a quote, not okay. my words. A man has no right to be a fag. Oh. <laughs> Whoa. 
I know, I know, I know, I know. So so she said she's bisexual, but she's only okay with lesbians. So her, you know, her kind of sexuality and identity is kind of a um an interesting topic. But she also said, um, I believe that being gay is still better than murderers, thieves, or drug addicts. If you choose out of all of this, being gay is a little better than the rest. Whoa, so okay, that's there's a lot to unpack with that. Yeah, yeah. So she um, reckons that like it's murderers, drug addicts, thieves, gay people, and then lesbians on top of that. Well, lesbians are yeah above at the pinnacle. Gay of people, the, yeah. yeah. By the sounds of it, not only uh, uh, is the other band not lesbians, they're also homophobic. <laughs> Um, but Lena, on the other hand, the other one, she has grown in a direction that I think is a little better. Okay. <laughs> um, so she came out, she has come out like in recent years and preached acceptance. Um, she has said, and here's a quote, God is teaching us to live in love, to be tolerant and not to judge other people. And I do so. Love is love and it is a wonderful feeling. I think everybody should be free to love who they love and be with who they want to spend their life with. XOXO. That was posted to her Facebook page. Oh, I love that. You can find this on, on Facebook if you feel like going to have a look. After all of this, they have parted ways not on great terms there have been kind of like they have kind of crossed paths again for like particular performances or where they've had to but they're not yeah they're not on good terms and they're not on good terms with Ivan either so Ivan um Shapovalov and both the girls had many many disputes over the years um and he was allegedly um which is quite unsurprising like controlling and very abusive to these two still they were teenagers they're still young girls um who were kind of put into a very manufactured situation for like a global audience um and they didn't have you know like a lot of autonomy in in that situation so i always look at like you know yulia's comments you know if i'm being empathetic I'm also like that would that was a very strange construct for yeah. for both the girls and it sort of came out of a really like I guess homophobic kind of environment just pop music in general and then kind of like the oddly manufactured way that like Russia was using them for capitalist ends so I feel for both of them but yeah that's that's where we're at that is the history of tattoo and it's so great because it's got that's what I mean these are the legs it's got an excellently color graded film clip we've come up with like emo noir as a new aesthetic it um ties into like the fall of the Soviet Union yeah um, and like a very, very like sort of small window of time in Russian history where being gay was kind of fetishized, mm. um, but also not illegal. Um, and yeah, these just two interesting girls who were branded as lesbians who loved dangerous driving. Yeah. Like, listen, it, it, I can see why it popped off, but like I can also see that it was a probably really bad experience for them. Yeah, that yeah, sucks. yeah. I mean, it was a bad experience for everyone except Japan. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> and <laughs> Australia in the early two thousands. 
God, they really made waves. Thank you for sharing that. You are absolutely fine. That's our first step. Uh, actually, I do have an announcement, Hannah. Yes. We are actually launching a Patreon. So uh, you can go and check us out over there. And if you'd like to contribute to keeping, honestly, just keeping us doing what we're doing at Rainbow History Class, um, you can go over there and then you get to reap the benefits of things like extra episodes, exclusive content, vlogs, you know, pre-sale links for live shows and things like that. So if you're interested go check out our patreon and of course if you have somehow stumbled across this podcast without knowing anything about hannah and i you can go over and basically type rainbow history class into your preferred social media platform and find us there yeah you'll be able to find us individually through rainbow history class on socials and if i can leave with one parting phrase for you to take throughout your day or evening wherever you're going to right now is that not everything is gay but there is gay in everything.